There you go. Nice full, Wait, nice full a, screen. I got an itch in my ear. <laughs> Give me a second. Been to any foreign countries recently? <laughs> I hear they've got some parasites that might jump in your ear canal. Please, I've never I've left. Brain-eating brain amoebas. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that, though, in North Carolina, where, like, there's yeah, like these Yeah, and Lake Norman. Yeah, it's terrifying. So if I don't I'm like lakes. lakes. I like the beach more. I'm a much more beach person. It can happen there too. I could do without either. Florida, Florida, uh, what, two years ago, I think, had like a, a flesh eating bacteria that was in the water and on the beaches. Uh, it, it's Probably. something that happens when the, the temperature stays too warm for too long. It basically allows like these crazy bacteria or things to grow. Like that's what happened to Lake Norman. The water was too warm for too long and some weird sort of brain eating. Uh, what was it exactly? Because that kid died from it. Aniba? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the kid like died in 24 hours though after inhaling. That went super dark. I was gonna make the joke about the water turning the frogs gay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I was gonna go. I was gonna go a little different. Uh, I mean, that's a possibility too. <laughs> it, it is a Duke Energy Lake. So speaking of the frogs being gay, how about Obama being gay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a thing. Oh my goodness. Speaking of gay, let's talk. Of, I'm just going to keep making these horrible transitions. <laughs> that would have been a great precursor, though. No. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe circle back to it. Um, but I'll welcome our viewers to another episode. Blah, blah, blah. So glad you're here. Uh, we have with us once again, uh, John Colecloth, um, one of our contributors. And he did uh, Weird Wide Web Wars, which was honestly a fairly comprehensive view of how the internet really changed politics in America. And it was a really fun conversation. Um, and since he's written some good spicy articles for us, uh, thought we'd have him back to talk about a broad topic. Well, slightly broad, but I think, I think John's going to kind yeah, of bring it down. Done. Yeah. Um, in regards to, which was related to my lead-in <laughs> of being gay. <laughs> <laughs> trans it's a letter <laughs> the trans stuff that is the trans just, stuff. there is a lot of trans stuff so john take it away we're ready okay so sort of just to set the stage uh, and i will say that we recorded this episode already and we're redoing it for technical reasons but i'm actually kind of glad we are because uh, maybe it'll come across a little more articulate. <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I wanted to talk about the condition first. And by the condition, there are multiple things that people think of when they hear the word trans. First thing you do is freeze and get scared because you're like, where's this conversation going to go? What's this person going to say? And am I going to get canceled? That's the first thing that pops into a lot of people's heads. But on a serious note, as far as the actual... Um, quote-unquote quote condition goes, I suppose. Um, it, was it was originally attributed to gender dysphoria. And gender dysphoria used to be classified as a mental disorder or medical condition, sorry, medical condition, as defined in the DSM-5. Um, as, I mean, if you look it up today, it'll say something like, oh, they don't identify with their assigned gender at birth. But initially it was saying that people who do not uh, quite feel at home within their body as far as the sex they were born as. Um, that, that's the general sentiment because I, I can't find precise description anymore of what it was, but initially it was, I am not comfortable that I'm in a male's body or I am not comfortable that I am in a female's body. Um, yeah, before I get into the nitty-gritty i'll go into what is not gender dysphoria because gender dysphoria and what we know is um i guess quote unquote the trans stuff or transsexuals are typically or were typically diagnosed with gender dysphoria and they would make the choice whether or not to i guess there are multiple ways you could sort of deal with it or live with it but some people would choose to try and pass as the opposite sex to alleviate their dysphoria. That's just a general idea of what the classic term for trans was. And I'll use the word transsexual because I think it's probably the most accurate term because gender is now this fun, bendy thing that 
I mean, it's not, but (laughs) word-wise, it's very difficult to deal with. Um, But how about what's not gender dysphoria? Something that is often thrown into the mix and it perfectly plays into where people start to um, get victimized, for lack of better terms, is a lot of the time people tend to uh, mix it together with body dysmorphia. They don't realize that these are two separate conditions. Gender dysphoria has to do with the way that someone feels about being in a a masculine or feminine body. However, well, I guess that's not a great description considering (laughs) body dysmorphia. Um, Body dysmorphia is commonly experienced by especially girls going through puberty. And obviously I'm not a girl. I can't speak to that. What that's actually like, I know Jordan can, Uh, but it's an experience in which kids and it's not just kids there are a lot of people from a lot of different walks in life and different points in their life that may experience body dysmorphia for a number of reasons but i think part of the reason we've seen a huge uptick with youth especially is when they become uncomfortable with their body and the changes happening to them they feel like they may have a sense of control because of this thing that's become uh That's a quick run on body dysmorphia. Now, another thing that is not transgenderism or not a transsexual would be autogonophilia. And autogonophilia is a sexual fetish in the form of euphoria derived from being perceived as female. And I suppose it can go the other way around, but it's most typically males that for lack of better terms, gets off on being perceived as female, especially Mm -hmm. in vulnerable situations or gaining access to women's spaces. And then we have gender ideology, which is sort of all encompassing. And it's how we get the, the, I I, I don't have a, there's no technical term for any of it. Um, You've got neo pronouns, you've got other kin, you've got non-binary, two-spirit. That's basically where all the fun stuff Uh, falls into that doesn't fit in the transsexual category which is actually used to be way smaller than it is now but yeah that's the sort of uh that's see this is this is interesting i'm glad i'm glad that we're having this conversation because you know we kind of before we even started this episode we kind of entitled it trans stuff and i think as you're going to continue to get into like it's very broad and it's very overwhelming because when someone says trans i don't think they understand all the different nuances of what's been lumped into that um and so Mm. from what i at least and i'm coming more from the female perspective of body dysmorphia um, i think that one to me is incredibly important um because one when we're seeing what we're seeing a lot of and I, i at least that's what i feel is what I think I'm seeing is that there's a lot of girls that are going to these clinics um, and, you know, trying to to be a boy, um, so to speak, because there is some sort of discomfort in their body. And it might not even be body dysmorphia, by the way. I think there are these... There can be other things as well. Well, yeah. and I think, too, um, we had actually talked about this in a previous episode, where every girl goes through being uncomfortable in their body, um, being a teenager, a young teenager as a girl is incredibly uncomfortable and you feel really insecure, um, pile that on top of, you know, whatever, uh, family dynamics are going on at home. You don't, you might not even have body dysmorphia. You just might have a really dysfunctional lifestyle, um, with no, with no solid parent figure. Um, so Mm -hmm. I was just kind of just want to put that out there. Um, and another thing too, and and then I'll let you keep going. Um, I almost lost my thought there. This is what it is. People, people have this idea that everyone is so specific and individual. You are so special. You are so unique. Yet at the same time, they're equally willing to lump in a bunch of very serious conditions into one thing as serious as body mutilation, whether it be through physical mutilation or through chemical castration. Uh, And so I just find that really disturbing that they, and I've kind of used this phrase a lot today, talk talk out out two sides of their mouth. You're super unique, but if you have any issues with your body, probably trans, take the estrogen, take the testosterone. Uh, it just, 
that's just kind of mind-boggling to me it is it really is um yeah so language i think that's a great place to start because you were talking about how uh, a lot of people especially young girls uh, fall susceptible to something like this and i i'm sort of using that as an end because i think a huge part of what has made this a monster out of control is the rise of stuff like TikTok. Mm -hmm. uh, i mean social media was already a thing um but there's been a sort of wave of self-identification over the past few years and by that i don't just mean people saying uh hey call me this because th that's what i want what i want to be called um it also plays into uh self-diagnosis mm -hmm. um when people gain this status of you know i'm getting i, I don't want to get hung up on that point so i actually want to talk about groups that are targeted uh by the greater issue i suppose the greater issue at hand and i think i think the greater issue at hand for one is the ability to have the conversation because when you hear trans usually it's pro <laughs> pro trans mm -hmm. or anti-trans that's usually all that people think but there are a lot of ways to have this conversation that can avert a lot of the chaos that typically ensues um but yeah first to address targeted groups and the number one group as you could probably guess, is women. <laughs> women obviously have to, um, they, they have to deal with sharing their spaces in probably in, is it fair to call like the Leah Thomas situation an extreme situation? I, feel like I think it it's becoming extreme less enough, extreme. Like, it's becoming, that's the issue. That's what we're kind of addressing is that it's becoming less and less uncommon for yeah. places to allow mm -hmm. men to share in these spaces because of these because of gender ideology uh yes yeah i think one of the it, first like ones was bring... uh, alan fox in the mma and then we had leah thomas and now it's it's a pretty regular occurrence on my news feed at this point yeah it's this concept of norm normalization trying to make these things uh seem more common than they are and especially to younger people because it's something that's easy to grab onto there's this term that was pretty popular back in the typical sj typical classic sjw days and that was trans trenders it was people who realized that this was going to become a protected class mm -hmm. and they would love to be trans and find their way in which leads to our next victim class which would be people with autism mm -hmm. it has been found that a lot of people who have been allegedly diagnosed with gender dysphoria have been later diagnosed with autism. And another thing is a lot of kids especially tend to script. It's how a lot of children, I say children, I mean even up to adolescents, a lot of the way that we learn even as human beings is by scripting, I suppose, sort of like by copying what we've seen. And I think it becomes easier to sort of, while you're finding your identity, to try and fall into one of these categories. Um, and I don't want to speak too much to people who have autism. I do not have autism. I'm not super close to anyone who has autism. But I do know that there has been a heavy trend in the data between people who have been identified as trans, whether or not they, because they don't always associate gender dysphoria with quote unquote being trans. So essentially, these people who happen to have autism who are pulled into the LB lgbt plus <laughs> community and um that puts them at risk um which uh which institutions are tracking this uh not any of the ones that should be um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah like I, it's really hard to say now where and this isn't me deflecting it, it's really hard to be able to tell where to get accurate data now because i feel like the best information that comes out is from the sources they tell you not to listen to like mm -hmm. the most valuable information about any of this that has come out has come out from matt walsh's channel and of course like he is the type of person who people for the most part love or hate mm -hmm. um but in general um it's very difficult to nail down exactly what is going on on a medical level because the institutions are corrupt. 
So Matt, so Matt Walsh, his work. team's internally tracking this, or or they're ta- they've taken up the work uh, yeah. to track these cases. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah, I mean, um, which is pretty significant. It's a big it's a big undertaking yeah. to do something like that. Yeah, I think there was yeah. actually um, there was we had actually talked about this in the last episode. Jordan Peterson and Chloe Cole, um, mm-hmm. who's become yeah. one of the front runners for detransitioning, and and she also similar to what you said is a case story of discovering that she had like a high functioning level of autism. Um, mm-hmm. Again, yeah. just going back to that point of, oh, you're so unique, but also everybody's trans. It's like, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. We were jo- we were joking um, about the frogs being gay, but it almost feels like the joke <laughs> is now, you know, the frogs are trans. Like everyone's like, you're trans, you're trans, we're I all trans. I was literally about to mention this. <laughs> I was literally going to mention this and I chose not to, but now I'm going to choose to <laughs> just because it happens to be relevant. Um, Actually, you know, I'm not going to bring it up here because I don't want to like. I'm thinking. I'm water. thinking of a line from a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, you're anonymous, so. <laughs> well, no yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just didn't want to like derail everything. Okay, but essentially, I, I found. Um, I hate saying stuff that's like. No, this isn't a, a person from person thing. Um, Alex Jones, he got to clarify to someone what. I guess what the meme came from because it's kind of the meme that we got of him being like oh the chemicals in the water are turning frogs gay yeah. yeah um he he was having a conversation it may have been with clayton morris from the redacted channel clayton and natalie morris have their uh own youtube rumble show called redacted where they also cover um news that doesn't commonly get covered in the media mm-hmm. and i believe he said it was him who was talking to alex jones at an event a few years ago and he was talking about how um what, what he was talking about in that segment was how certain chemical whatever whatever scenario he was talking about chemicals in the water were biologically changing the frogs mm-hmm. to where they would become reproducing females and that was a shocking revelation to hear. Um, it's not something I've dug into a ton, but that is apparently where it came from. And he's a very theatrical person. I'm not an Alex Jones. But I'm not like, oh yeah, let's go Alex Jones. Yeah. So I, I'm not like endorsing um, everything under the sun. I just heard it recently and I was like, oh, that's that's actually very interesting. Yeah, I think if I remember that one right, and I had to look up the term to make sure it was the right definition or I had the right word. I think the frogs were technically becoming hermaphrodites. So they were having both like female and male uh, sexual like reproduction or- organs. Huh. Like, it was, it was yeah, really weird. The- really weird pollution going on. And I forgot. I forgot what the company was or, or what the building was that was dumping into the river, but it was definitely messing up the frogs. Huh. Interesting. Very weird scenario. But the movie. But yeah, line, sorry for the derailment. No, you're good. The movie line that I was thinking of when you guys were talking about like, every, everything is trans or everybody is something at this point, because I do feel like there was this, this idea that was sold to our generation that everybody's special or has something to offer. And then you, grow up and you find out maybe you're probably not that special uh but it makes me think of the incredibles with syndrome saying you know once everybody's super then nobody will be as his goal was to bring everybody up to that level it just it feels like it's going to be the same it's going to be the same thing at some point you just your protected class if you protect everybody you're not a protected class anymore you've just umbrella the entire population that it's everybody then it's not really that special anymore you're all just freaks together yeah. Anyway. <laughs> oh, you're just normal. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even got to be a freak. Uh, all right. All right. All right. Keep going. So, ironically, another target group, I would say, of um, gosh, I, I wanted to find what I say when I say um, targeted, like what they're being targeted by. Mm-hmm. I would one like to say the pharmaceutical industry. Mm-hmm. I would say people who would like to have access to women, mm-hmm. have access to children. And mm-hmm. in, in a former society, in, forder, in former iterations of our society, these things just wouldn't be happening. You know, there, there are a lot of scenarios that are able to come from these unique situations that would not be happening before and in the name of inclusion are happening today. 
Um, so, so just know that's sort of what I mean to speak to when I'm saying, oh, these groups are being targeted. I'll talk about okay. who's targeting them later. Um, but anyway, uh, pubescent youth, we've sort of already addressed that. They mm -hmm. tend to sort of fall victim to the sort of thing. Um, ironically, homosexuals. Homosexuals often fall victim to gender ideology, largely because, I mean, obviously, if you're a feminine male or masculine female, uh, you're more likely to... You're, especially if you come from a more religious background or even traditional in any sense. It's not like um, homosexuality is the most common thing. It's not like every other person who is born happens to be homosexual. So there are a lot of cases in which people feel like, oh, okay, well, I might as well. I, I don't want to trivialize it. I'm, I'm just saying that because I have it written down. <laughs> um, and yeah, I had feminine males, masculine females. Uh, the mentally ill, we kind of already addressed that. And I think ultimately what's sort of keeping this whole thing together uh, is overly affirming individuals. Mm -hmm. I would say, honestly, e e even with the nefarious forces you can say are behind the scenes, take them out of the picture. I think the reason that this problem is perpetuated is because of individuals who happen to be very open-minded, probably good-intentioned, who probably don't think that it's as common as that, that that it's as common as it actually is for people to have their lives ruined over these sorts of situations. There are no long-term studies that show the results of what it's like to go through the sort of channels that we have now where you can easily gain access to hormones and they say that you have to go through intense therapy you have to uh, get a prescription and most people are able to call in and get it pretty easily yeah um, it's not well it's not well you know the gatekeeping on it is really really poor um, yeah. Question question for you on the over affirming individuals. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like, well, I, I said I was going to ask you a question, but it's going to be more of a statement that I want you to react to. I feel like it's not just over affirming individuals. I feel like there have been, I think there was a small amount of affirming individuals. And then there was a group of fearful people that, you know, through society being like, you know, if you say trans or, you know, you don't agree with it, then you're a bad person where some have yeah. morphed, have almost kind of like joined in to, with the over affirming people to save yeah. their, to save themselves. Like, I think that the over affirming people are much smaller than we think. Um, and actually there's more there's of them there's been sort of fear. this like blackmail because there are a lot of cases we've heard in which the parents are faced with the question do you want a live son or a dead daughter yeah, what that's a cruel chloe question. cole story isn't it mm. yeah um, um there there's something it kind of reminds me of like join or die you know that's kind of the idea like join <laughs> or die and they're like okay we're going to join and we yeah. will mimic everything that you want and then you kind of start to because it's kind of uncomfortable but you start to convince yourself it's not that bad like yeah. you're doing the right and, thing and it's genuinely the glue that keeps together the whole machine because this isn't a model that holds water and i just described multiple different groups of people who really are going through their very own experiences that are typically pretty distinct from one another. They should not all be falling under this same umbrella, yet they do because in the grand scheme of things, it helps them be more of a protected class. And I'm not just saying that in the, oh, they, they get all the privilege in the world, even though that is sort of the way it is now. They don't see it that way because of the history that it seems that from their perspective, basically, that it's had of being so taboo and, um, you know what I'm going to interrupt you. You know, you know what that reminds me of, you know what history, this is just me, pure conjecture and just no evidence behind this really. But I feel like they use the LG part to justify the quote unquote suffering of trans, if that makes sense, because, yeah. yep. because with homosexuals, like they're, they're definitely, there's less of a taboo now, but there was definitely a taboo 
with it at yes. one point. And so mm-hmm. they piggyback off of that um, in regards to being trans, um, so to speak. That's a perfect point as well, because someone who doesn't know better as well, and remember gay marriage was only legalized in 2015, that's yeah. a pretty recent revelation recent. that our country decided to do. Mm-hmm. We decided to redefine marriage, for, especially for kids. They don't know any different. And so they're thinking, oh, well, gay people just now got their rights. When are trans people going to get their rights? However, I'll pose the question to you. What rights do gay or trans people have that you or I have right now? Like what rights do they have that we don't have? No, vice versa. They they believe that they don't have rights that we have. Mm -hmm. What rights would you think those might be? You know, I really can't think of anything. I mean, at this point, since 2015, I, I, there's nothing that I he can also, think of. Because marriage was the big one, right? Yeah. Being able and, to, to get married and have each other on, on your on your partner's health care. Yeah. And, and, and benefits is, and all that stuff. Word. There's the word, health care. Uh, what they want to do, when I, I say that the movement, the purpose of the political part of the bo- political part of the movement, is to get insurance providers to include cosmetic surgery Mm -hmm. in their insurance plans because i believe that helps uh, feed the pipeline the medical pipeline of the transgender phenomenon you know and that makes Um, a lot of sense just because at least some of the arguments that i heard that are, are fairly sympathetic arguments of uh, homosexuals that are in you know relationships and one of them has to go to the hospital or something happens like you know who like can that partner actually you know, be there for them like things things of that nature and so something that you could that a reasonable person could maybe flex on there like you said there there is an opportunity to kind of take it to its extreme um in yep. regards to insurance so yep yeah um so this is actually a good time to address who I would call the predators in the situation. Um, that would be maps. I know we talked some about you them. Mean pedophiles. The <laughs> pedophiles, minor attracted people. We're, we have our own flag. We're joining we? the LGBTQIA. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's such a smart move, though, if you're a pedophile. Like, why not join that to become a protected yeah. class? So sick. it is, it has been a movement for probably like the past 10 ish years, but at least just in the past five years, they have been able to make a lot of motion towards oh, yeah. joining this acronym that keeps getting longer and longer. And I know it's a meme. It really mm-hmm. isn't like, I, I hate being like, Oh, it's all such a stupid joke, but I, I, I try and treat it seriously when I can, because obviously to these people, it's their lives. Like they're under attack. They're going to be thrown in the gas chambers, even though like that doesn't make any sense. They act like there's this mass genocide happening and they have to be believing for some reason. There has to be a reason that they believe that. And so I think it's important to figure out how to have these conversations and the multiple angles you can come from because a lot of them, a lot of these people are especially youth they're young people who didn't know anything different they think this is the biggest existential threat of all time Mm -hmm. uh, because this generation is the most heavily identifying uh in terms of i hate using the term like queerness you know which used to be a slur yeah queer used to be a slur you definitely don't say to people gay used (laughs) to be a slur too (laughs) gay used to be a slur as well um but yeah, I'm not going to get hung up on that. Next group of people uh, who I would say are predators are men with the fetish, autogonophilia, mm-hmm. who get pleasure out of dressing up as a woman, out of accessing women's spaces, and gaining access to children. And you can talk about the innocuous parts of it, as in, say, that there is a man who happens to pass very well as a woman and use the bathroom, but there's that situation versus a situation in which someone does not pass at all and they're able to walk in and out of somewhere and make a hubbub out of it or 
make it so that you do not want to be the one to cause a hubbub out of what is potentially a dangerous situation. And we've mm -hmm. seen a lot of those sorts of things play out in schools and such. Um, we've got male athletic competitors already <laughs> mentioned, Will Thomas. Um, and we have sex researchers, which I'm sure you're familiar with. The main ones being, or the main ones people are now familiar with being John Money, yep. Alfred Kinsey. Mm -hmm. Kinsey, who has his very own research institute. Which is insane. That's yeah, I, I, I pulled up. I pulled up the about us and the, and the history portion on their website, and it's just amazing how like great they talk about him. They was like he had horrible experiments and ruined people. They lives. contribute to a mass amount of sexual research today, and Kinsey's. It's not his claim to fame, but some of the fundamentals of his research was not just. It wasn't just interviewing people who happened to be in these uh, very extreme situations. It was oftentimes prisoners who were convicted mm -hmm. of uh, very nefarious acts. I don't was he the one that wrote the book? Was he the one that wrote the book, like trying to prove? I'm trying to remember what it was, but he he used the population of prisoners, trying to like prove some sort of sexual. Um, Yes, I believe that's him. Okay. He is the one who had a graph in said book of the orgasms of uh, of oh, babies. Yeah. Oh, yes, like so not just funny. children, but going all the way down to a granular level, and it, it, it's pretty disgusting. That that's that's Kinsey's legacy. However, it's drowned out by all the love and the opportunity mm -hmm. for the for moving forward the lgbt community today um it's not something people think of they sort of think of it in the rear view and if you're bring up something like that there are probably typically people are inclined to say well don't you know the catholics are pedophiles as well you know like um well, there's something before you move forward, I, I do want to point something out that I think is really important. Uh, and that is with Alfred Kinsey, that even when you talk to conservatives about Alfred Kinsey, it's more of like he created this ideology and that's what lives on today. And now mm -hmm. he's completely disgraced and he's terrible. But when you bring up this institute and how much they back uh, research, on how it's still funded, I think that's a really important thing to point out to people, that his it legacy is, is much thing. deeper than just um, the ideology and what he did. Like, it's still living on in a university that's continuing, or institute, excuse me, that's continuing his work. Um, and I don't hear that get brought up at all, really, mm -hmm. by any conservatives. So I just think it's a really, it's a really good point. Um, and the Kinsey Institute, it is part... It is either part or it is directly affiliated with the yep, University of Indiana. Mm, uh, so they okay. have a very close relationship with a what's the what's the, I, I would say just a regular college. Mm. You know, I, I can't think of a better term than like oh, yeah, your kids just could an academic go to this and, higher education. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, uh, oh yeah, and then there's trans activists sorry I keep looking down the paper because i'm like uh, no i kind of um, keep taking you off your <laughs> off your path but i, I no, I, it's perfect though yeah I, and i don't it's... mean to derail you but i was like no this is really this is really important um no I appreciate it, it, you bringing perfect. it up yeah I, I think i think out of anything um we talked about how probably the greatest victims well i don't, I don't know if the greatest victims but like the glue that keeps the sandwich together as far as victims go is overly affirming people, super defensive people, maybe people even blinded by love for the people they care about and can't see past the existential threat that they think is there. And then as far as the actual threat, as far as the reach of predators, uh, I would say the trans activists are the front line of what has become one of the most aggressive i'll use the term hate campaign one of the most aggressive hate campaigns to this day there is not a more hateful nonetheless effective political group there's not one more effective than the modern trans activist 
today. Are you? Are <laughs> I, I think. Are you drawing a distinction between trans activists and transgender people in general? Yes, absolutely. Well, obviously, it's not always the case because there are definitely some. Um, there are definitely some people like uh, I hate to think off the top of my head. Uh, Alejandra Caraballo. Um, oh, never she heard. Is a, uh, yeah, if you looked her up, you'd you'd know. But she is a uh, transgender. I, I don't remember if it's male to male, female to female. It doesn't matter. But a <laughs> um, but a, a transgender person who is an activist, a trans activist, and what was, what was the for, last name? Caraballo. I couldn't tell you how to spell it right now. I think also Dylan Mulvaney would probably. You would probably fall into that category. Dylan Mulvaney doesn't count. And I'll tell oh, you exactly why. Okay. Dylan Mulvaney is not trans. And uh, another thing I want to sort of lay out here. I would say that trans as it used to exist before it was cool. Uh, I'll, I would identify those people as transsexuals. People who wanted to live as and pass as the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing that was in our normal day-to-day life. It's not something you thought about. And then you have uh, transgender. I would say that transgender is the phenomenon. I would say it's the phenomenon of people who maybe even believe that they are transgender, but they believe in more self-identifying than just going about their life and leaving you alone. And then the third category, transgender, and that's, Dill Mulvaney is the face of the trans trenders. <laughs> I don't believe he is even attempting to come off as a woman. I think that he genuinely gets the most out of the fact that he gets tons of attention and can say and do whatever, like worshiping the bulge, and that he will still get support because that's how crazy the world is right now. So he's playing a. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, so a transsexual would be like Blair White. That would be... I would say so. And someone who's transgender is, I'd say, one of these, like, you know, college kids that, you know, they yes. they think they're... And they haven't really done any, like, surgeries, but they kind of somewhat present themselves in a androgynous manner. and Or that's if you're non-binary, but... or try to, to the ideology. But they just mm. more believe that if I believe it in my heart... <laughs> Then yes, my outside I would say so. Okay, I think that's it. I think those are. I think those are actually helpful categories um, overall. Okay, continue. Um, yeah, I, I would say, and Dill Mulvaney is a perfect in as well because I I say that if you, there are multiple ways to slice these different groups, but even just those three distinctions, um, an example for each one, and by example, I I mean an example of how they can be addressed. Someone like Blair White, transsexual, or Buck Angel, they will talk to you about this issue. They will be able to sit down and have a conversation, talk about where you agree, where you disagree. They may be left-wing, they may be right-wing, but most of all, they're typically prepared to have a conversation with you. They recognize it as a medical condition, a uh, a mental disorder, whatever, that they are open to where this may have originated. You get transgender. This is where gender becomes a spectrum and it's territory where anything's possible. You know, sky can be red, uh, grass can be blue. And I, I'd say it could be hit or miss because you could call someone like either of those people transgender, but I, I've heard them mention that they want to refer themselves as transsexual in case it helps to start making a distinction. And you don't know what you're going to get when like just with the general transgender community. And when anyone says transgender, it's for lack of better terms, what we think of when we think the trans stuff. Mm -hmm. If someone says the word transgender to you, you know, okay, this is going one in a million different directions. (laughs) And then as far as trans trenders go, maybe that just needs to be brought back as a term because Dylan Mulvaney, perfect example of someone who realized that he could gain wealth, status, Mm -hmm. and access just from... Uh, impersonate and it's not that he's the only one who's um i guess impersonating women i don't feel like that's the best word um but sort of wearing it as a dress Mm -hmm. and and you could argue that all of this is about 
wearing the opposite sex as an outfit because you can't actually be that thing. But it's another reason that I say transsexuals more likely to talk to you. They will still, they will say, yeah, I am wearing said outfit and I'm minding my own business mm -hmm. and I'll talk to you about it if I want, maybe not. Um, as for a transgender, as for transgender, they will tell you, no, I am a woman. They will argue with you on reality, on biology, on language. And I think that's actually probably a good place to go from here. Uh, speaking of uh, overly uh, over affirmation, excessive affirmation, I would say the hijacking of language is something that, I, I mean, it's not something that you can really have full control over, I suppose. Um, language is something that is that does evolve with the times, which is mm -hmm. part of why it's been such a strong case for self-identification, you know, and just, oh, these people want to be addressed. They're asking you to address them in a way that they prefer. Uh, and, and that leads to, hey, you need to address them that way or you get fired from work, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I think one of the most effective battlegrounds that has been fought on, and again, I know those are fighting terms, but just for lack of better terms, one of the uh, one of the ways in which they've made a lot of ground has been in changing terms or telling kids, I say kids specifically because I, I know people now who are kids back say in 2016, when all this stuff was popping up, I was like, this is gonna go away. This is, this is too, this is too outlandish to become normal. Boy, were but, you wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, I know friends, like, younger siblings and such. They were like 10, 12, whatever. Now they're like uh, 18 teenagers. And they're like, well, gender's a spectrum. And they, they will sit down and explain to you about how this doctor that they watched or what they were reading about in school, mm -hmm. watching about on YouTube, or even in any mainstream form is explaining the complexity of gender and how sex is this vast thing to be explored. Um, I will say right now, and obviously this is partially an opinion, but I think a lot of it comes down to just expression, personality, mm -hmm. like yeah. people mm -hmm. wanting yeah. to express themselves and their personality and they cannot, we, we have created a culture that sort of rewards uh, the, maximum amount of labels that you can uh, assign to yourself it's called the oppression olympics oh it's, it's also the intersectionality train as well intersectionality yeah mm -hmm. how many um, boxes can you check you're gay exactly. black trans uh yes, poor yeah yes. all the stuff yeah and, and it's allowed for us to uh, live in this space in which everyone <laughs> sorry i just got there everyone sort of has to go along with and actually i don't think it's necessarily that everyone has to go along with the way things are but i think that we've sort of been led to think that way because mm -hmm. i think especially for kids their thought is oh this is normal like to them this is normal there's not much pushback and i would say that's where uh the right wing fails a lot they have the mentality oh we've already lost it's already over. We're going to just try and like have our little corner over here. And I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to, uh, I guess for lack of better terms, defend your own land, live on your own island and such. But I think there are ways to fight back that are not quite um, combative. I guess, I guess the term would be combative. I think even being able to address the conversation in a way that's sort of like, hey, do you understand how this affects people with autism and I, I'm not saying oh you're in a random argument and you just start talking about people <laughs> with autism you know it's, it's situationally specific I think that there are so many angles that you can come at the subject at that there are options in how we can address both the individuals involved or just the situation we happen to be in, because there are a ton of situations. I, I just did work training the other day where now it's considered part of the sexual harassment policy if you do not adhere to someone's preferred pronouns. And again, oh. a way in which I would say that they have really won the language war or hustle. I'm trying not to use fighting terms quite as is much, there... but this, this is the culture war, you know? It is. 
Um, and I wanted to go back to something that you said. Uh, you kind of mentioned there are some people that they're like, you know, if we just go off to our corner of land, you know, and, and call it call it a day. Um, and that really kind of struck a chord with me um, because I see that um, on a more, I'm going a bit more religious now, so I'm, I'm targeting a specific group yeah. um, of, of Christians where they kind of take the mentality of, oh, if we just stay in the church, you know, the church is a good place, you know, they, they there are a sect of Christians that are like, oh, we don't need to engage the politics. The world is lost, blah, blah, blah. And mm. I think, I think to a certain set extent, you know, you're like, I don't want to use fighting terms to a level. It's almost kind of necessary because yes, my I argument that. is that you can try to stay in your own, own corner of land, but you're just delaying the inevitable. They're coming for you. Mm. That's, that's, that's what they've always been doing. They, they, they are, they are coming. <laughs> they are going to come for your kids. And if you step in the way, they're going to go after you. And so this idea of like, we're just going to just huddle up together. It's like one as Christians, that's ridiculous um, because that goes against one of our core tenets of spreading the gospel. Okay. So you're being, you're being a bad Christian by doing that. Uh, but secondly, like the church is supposed to have a level of outreach um, and you're supposed to be able, that's the thing about the Bible at least is that a lot of people think it's a big set of rules. That's a very um, rudimentary way of looking at the Bible. There takes a lot of discernment looking at scripture. That's why we have Bible studies is because there are things that are difficult to figure out. So as Christians, we should be able to critically think and then articulate uh, ideas like core fundamental ideas. Um, and we don't have to use a ton of scripture to do it. Uh, like, as you said, like, one of the things that Jesus did was he asked questions. It's like, like you said, okay, don't start off with autism. It's like, okay, well, have you ever considered that maybe some of these people that think they're transgender might be suffering from something else? Like yep. a, a pretty and innocent a question. Um, and of course, if they, they probably never thought like, Oh, I never thought about that. Um, but I did just want to touch on it. Cause it's something that really does no, bother me about Christians. Uh, and and Christians. another thing that I would, yeah. And another thing I say that, I don't want to say this is the sort of thing where it's a running away with your tail between your legs thing. I think uh, for a large part, most people on the right in general as well, just sort of figured, oh, well, we have this in the bag. And by that, I sort of just mean they didn't think that this was a problem worth addressing. So, so ridiculous. So outlandish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I believe, I believe part of the reason it got this far is because of what we're just talking about with people preferring to occupy their own space, which I think in itself is a good thing. But I think that creating culture is important because it's so prominent today because our media, like not just our media, like every way in which we participate with the world outside of our house, neighborhood, and church is the secular, quote unquote secular. It's all pop culture. Whatever is the most popular, that is what you and your family are going to be interacting with every day when you're not at one of the places you've already committed to being where you feel the most safe. But mm -hmm. when you and the people you care about are going more into the world, you need to not only be more prepared to do so, I genuinely think it's important to be able to have fun while doing it. And I think it's why... Um, why Christians, for instance, have fallen behind in terms of creating culture. Like they haven't put a ton of effort into creating media. That's not just for Christians, but you know, when sound freedom came out, everyone just figured, uh, granted that movie was under attack before it even came out. Didn't even have anything to do with. It was stalled um, for several years, wasn't it? It was for five or six years. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously that movie was targeted before it came out. But the expectation was because Christians are looking forward to seeing this movie. Oh, it's a Christian movie. It's not cool. No one wants to go see it now. Or, or we're going to try and like bomb it into the ground so that everyone thinks it's not cool to see it. Because Christians are just like, oh, we're going to just have our, oh, we were the ones. Well, well the it's one. not I, I just, but it's not just Christian that movie. though. It's like with Christians, the reason why Christian movies suck is because their view of the world is so weird. And the way that they write it is super weird mm -hmm. yeah like, you know what i'm saying you're like this is not how it actually yeah <laughs> happens. A lot, a lot like, it doesn't even look really realistic weird. which shows essentially what it shows though is that they just don't they don't 
grasp like the sin of the world if that makes sense like they've lived in yeah. this bubble for so long that like they don't know they don't really know what it looks like to live in that and mindset it always has to be about the the human condition as well like for christians they always see it um i say always but I tend to see things from the perspective of oh it's us versus the world every day but i think it would be successful to do something as simple as make a movie that doesn't have million f-bombs and sex scenes and just own being classy mm -hmm, you know yeah. like own being classy and create entertainment and enter situations in which you bring class because that is attractive that's something that there is a demand for across the board because everything right now around us is degenerate um it perfectly leads into what i want to talk about next i know we don't have a ton of time i asked you this when we filmed this before so tell me this is drag trans no, no. it is not trans however why is it that in the media, they're saying that the drag community is under attack because of the super mega MAGA Republicans who hate the trans community? <laughs> well, it goes back, they're saying, it goes back to the idea of the predators, uh, people that want to be, not, I'm not saying that all drag queens want to be with children, but the ones that want to be <laughs> with children, like they can get access to them through those protected classes. I think, I think it's even more innocuous than that and by that i mean like obviously they're the clips of like drag performers who have gone way too crazy with kids around mm -hmm. there's a major problem with that there's a problem with the whole thing however i think the reason that that's even become even relatively uh comfortable that's probably not the best word for it is because the trans activists are able to go to the drag queens and be like hey you know those closed-minded christians over there they hate the fact that you're over here expressing yourself at midnight when they're going to sleep and getting ready for church in the morning. They can't just leave you alone. Why is it that they're coming after you? You know, they, they yeah. are trying to absorb the drag community and have very successfully enraged the general drag community. So they think Ron DeSanctimonious, as Trump likes to call him, Ron DeSantis, who's doing an amazing job in Florida, is just trying to shut down every hint of rainbow that he can find anywhere, you know? But the reality is uh, drag queens are not trans. They're, they're not, I mean, I presume they're not on hormones. They don't mm -hmm. have gender dysphoria. It's a crap ton and, of makeup. And that's just one class of people who like put on that outfit to entertain in an adult way because drag is adult performance. Um, and so that's another position I think can be taken when approaching the issue to where drag queens are angry because they're thinking, oh, the Republicans are coming after us. The Christians are coming after us. No, like, but, but it all gets muddied in this concept of the trans stuff, because you see the rainbow, you see the, um, now we have the, uh, drag queens reading to kids in school. I saw recently you started creating culture and reading to kids in school a normal classy person coming in and just reading to kids. <laughs> Imagine a that. normal I think book. things like that are important <laughs> yeah things like that are important i think it makes a much bigger difference than people realize um i i think there is a lot to be said for how even ben shapiro or stephen crowder and all of them i know there are very different points in their careers now i think there really is something to how they made a splash back when they did blow up, when they were going and talking to people. And of course, and especially in Ben's case, it was, oh, Ben, ben Shapiro destroys <laughs> blue-haired liberal, blah, blah, blah. Right. But the concept itself was what worked. It wasn't necessarily the fact that, oh, Ben Shapiro destroys. It's the fact that he was there talking to people and what they were saying was so ridiculous, it was hilarious and would go mm. viral and we would all laugh. And it was, like the, matters. it was like that for quite a while. Yeah, like you don't need a big budget. You don't need to be able to make movies or anything to make that kind of difference. You just need to go to where that stuff is happening. It can be as simple as asking people questions. I know there are a lot of people who have these channels, whether on YouTube or TikTok, where they're just asking random questions in the street. And obviously, it's sort of this rigged game where it's 
you never know what well of knowledge people actually have. You can make a lot of people look stupid by asking them how many continents there are, yeah. it, just asking them a series of questions they're not prepared for. But there really is something to being in quote unquote enemy territory and just being the one there with class and respect and knows who knows how to talk to people. Because I guarantee you, if you're in a situation, I, okay, I say guarantee, I can't guarantee you anything. <laughs> this isn't medical advice. Um, but if you're in a situation that possibly makes you very uncomfortable, and maybe it is even someone who is, I don't know, like a radical feminist or someone who really buys into gender ideology, reacting is the worst thing that you can do with anyone, not, mm-hmm. not just right. with that. In general, when you know someone is, lack of better terms, triggered by something, the logical thing to do isn't to give that person exactly what they're so scared of let them think that oh like we're all constantly under attack we can't just go anywhere and be left alone that's not what and i hate saying the media want you to think but that's not what the media want you to think it's not what society has been made to people think they've been made to think you're always under attack you're not safe people are looking at you weird they don't want to talk to you they Mm -hmm. want to kill you they want to throw you in a ditch they want you to disappear they think that trans people are just going to go away but we're telling you we're here and that's why it's important to be able to have the conversation because there are so many layers to it it typically doesn't need it doesn't need to go anywhere near as far as dismantling every single layer there is to the quote unquote trans stuff, it comes to, it comes down to making connections and being able to have conversations. You don't have to be Matt Walsh who does an amazing job, does an amazing job because it is his job to draw attention to the subject and to really throw himself into the middle of this hornet's nest where he's always getting stung, but he, he can, he can take it. It's Mm -hmm. what he's meant to do. It's what he's called to do, but you don't have to be a Matt Walsh in order to make a difference like that just being a person who can interact with other people who can understand the multiple things that could be going on. The the problem is that people aren't equipped with knowledge. We talked about the, uh, in the weird wide web, how I think a huge part of how everyone really fell behind and um, how 2020 really caught everyone off guard is because everyone's living their daily lives and especially young people were more so on the internet and the internet is now as everyone is well aware the public stage Mm -hmm. and there's been this game of catch up for people who realize wow i really do need to uh, to be aware of this space you know at least be able to be aware have some semblance of what's going on people have to work for a living You, you go to work so that you can pay for where you go home to eat be able to pay for your groceries and go to sleep so you can get up and work the next day. That's what people need to be worried about. But now there's this realization that, okay, if we really want to save our culture, if we want to be able to build connections, because things don't need to just keep dwindling the way they are. And I really don't believe they will. This is a very, very uh, feeble movement. And I believe it's already falling apart. And I think just being uh, aware, like being equipped with the knowledge really puts anyone in a good position to address it. Yeah, I think I think that's good. And, you know, um, I think it's a good place to kind of end off and I'll get your final thoughts. Here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I feel like this episode, you know, you did you did a, a good job, like it is about defining our terms. So it's about defining mm-hmm. our terms. And I, I really think probably one of the more important things that you defined was um, transsexual, transgender, and uh, was it called trans trender? Yeah, which I think is actually very, very helpful. Um, and then also talking about these other groups besides gender dysphoria that get lumped into you know the transgender movement or gender ideology see i'm messing up the terms but we're figuring out we're figuring (laughs) out right um and so there's that and then and then the second thing of course is having the knowledge to then practice and you might do a bad job in the beginning but like practice having those conversations with people without Mm -hmm. immediately being like well what do you think about 
Dylan Mulvaney. You know, there's there's yep. other ways to mm-hmm. there's other ways to like enter into the conversation exactly. a little bit more stealthily. <clears throat> um, and I think I think that's something that add, has to happen. I would add as well. I'm not going to turn it into a whole thing, but even talking to the people you know, like in your circle. You know, one, you don't know how informed the people around you are, and I'm not saying educate everyone around you. I'm just saying, like, this is casual conversation for people in the general public square. Mm -hmm. Being able to even talk to the people you know about the issue at hand. I I talk to family members, especially older family members, um, like my father-in-law, for instance. I'm like, you know, this, this, and this is going on. And it'll either be like, what, what on earth is that? Or, or it'll be, <laughs> oh, I heard of that. Isn't that that crazy crap, you know? <laughs> and being able to expose people to those ideas and just sort of learn to have casual conversations, just that alone can better prepare you. And even then, mm-hmm. the next time that you encounter said scenario and probably a less ideal scenario. Sure. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. Um, and I think I think it'll be a, a good place for us to kind of kind of end, but good informative stuff. Um, I know that we don't know when, but I know we're gonna have you back on for a very near and dear subject to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> TikTok, um, which I'm very excited about. Uh, but for now, everyone will have to be happy with this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you're not subscribed, why aren't you subscribed? Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And you can listen to us where any podcasts are found, including Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, Man, I just, it's like a roll, you know? Like, I just feel it in me (laughs) when I start doing it. I can't help it. You got it done. I know. Um, John, thanks for coming on, and hopefully we will see you again soon.